Chapter 8 of Among the Trees at Elmridge. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Among the Trees at Elmridge by Ella Rodman Church. The Poplars. The bruised foot was not comfortable to walk on for two or three days and Edith was settled in the great easy armchair, with dolls and toys and picture books in a pile that seemed as if it would not stop growing until every article belonging to herself and Clara had been gathered there. We can go on with our trees, said Miss Harson, even if we do not see them just yet. And this evening I should like to tell you something about the poplar, a large tree with alternate leaves which is often found in dusty towns, where it seems to flourish as well as in its favorite situation by a running stream. An old English writer calls the poplars hospitable trees, for anything thrives under their shade. They are not handsomely shaped trees, but the foliage is thick and pretty. In the latter part of this month, April, the trees are so covered with their olive-green catkins that large portions of the forest seem to be colored by them. "'Are there any poplars at Elmridge?' asked Malcolm. "'Not nearer than the woods,' was the reply, "'where we must go and look for them when Edith's foot is quite well again, "'though there are a good many in the city. "'The poplar is often planted by the roadside "'because it grows so rapidly and makes a good shade. "'The abeel, or silver poplar, is an especial favorite for this purpose.' The balm of Gilead, or Canada poplar, is the largest of the species, and really a handsome tree, often growing to the height of 50 or 60 feet with a trunk of proportionate size. It has large leaves of a bright, glossy green, which grow loosely on long branches. A peculiarity of this tree is that before the leaves begin to expand, the buds are covered with a yellow, glutinous balsam that diffuses a penetrating but very agreeable odor unlike any other. The balsam is gathered as a healing anodyne, and for many ailments it is a favorite remedy in domestic medicine. All the poplars produce more or less of this substance. The river poplar is found on the banks of rivers and brooks and in wet places, and is a noble and graceful tree. The trunk is light gray in color, and the young trees have a smooth, leather-like bark. The broad leaves of a very rich green grow on stems nearly as long as themselves, and the flowering aments are of a light red color. The leaf stalks and young branches are also brightly tinted. Another of these trees has a very singular name. It is called the necklace poplar. Do the flowers grow like real necklaces? asked Clara. Not quite, replied her governess, but the reason given is something like it. The tree is so called from the resemblance of the long ament before opening to the beads of a necklace. In Europe it is known as the Swiss poplar and the black Italian poplar. Its timber is much valued there for building. There are also the black poplar and that queer stiff-looking tree, the Lombardy poplar. Cannot one of you tell me where there are some tall, narrow trees that look almost as if they had been cut out of wood and stuck there? I know where there are some, said Malcolm, right in front of Mrs. Bush's old house, 
and I think they're miserable-looking trees. When old and rusty, they are not in the least cheerful, replied Miss Harson. And it is so long since Lombardy poplars were admired that a few are found except about old places. The tree is shaped like a tall spire, and in hot, calm weather, drops of clear water trickle from its leaves like a slight shower of rain. It was once a favorite shade tree, and a century ago great numbers of Lombardy poplars were planted by village waysides, in front of dwelling houses, on the borders of public grounds, and particularly in avenues leading to houses that stand at some distance from the high road. The poplar is found in many lands. The Lombardy poplar, as its name indicates, was brought from Italy, where it grows luxuriantly beside the orange and the myrtle. But after one of our cold winters, many of its small branches will decay, and this gives it a forlorn appearance. When fresh and green, the Lombardy poplar is quite handsome. Someone wrote of it long ago. There is no other tree that so pleasantly adorns the sides of narrow lanes and avenues, and so neatly accommodates itself to limited enclosures. Its foliage is dense and of the liveliest verdure, making delicate music to the soft touch of every breeze. Its terebinthine odors scent the vernal gales that enter our open windows with the morning sun. Its branches always turning upward and closely gathered together, afford a harbor to the singing birds that make them a favorite resort, and its long tapering spire that points to heaven gives an air of cheerfulness and religious tranquility to village scenery. I wish I had some, said Edith, with singing birds in them. Well, my dear child, replied her governess, have we not the beautiful elms in which the birds build their nests and where they fly in and out continually? They are the very same birds that build in the Lombardy poplars. I thought that singing birds always lived in cages, said the little queen in the easy chair. And did you think they were hung all over the Lombardy poplars? asked Malcolm in a broad grin. Edith laughed too, and Miss Harson said smilingly, I thought that the birds about Elmridge did a great deal of singing, and the bluebirds and robins kept it up all day. But I should not like to see the old Lombardy poplars hung with gilded cages, and the birds which should happen to be prisoners in the cages would like it still less. Well, said Edith contentedly, as she settled herself again to listen. The poplar, continued Miss Harson, has a great many insect enemies, and the Lombardy is not often seen now, because a great many of the trees were destroyed on account of a worm or caterpillar by which they were infested. Poplar wood is soft, light, and generally of a pale yellow color. It is much used for toy-making and for boarded floors, for which last purpose it is well adapted from its whiteness and the facility with which it is scoured and also from the difficulty with which it catches fire and the slowness with which it burns. A red-hot poker falling on a board of poplar would burn its way without causing more combustion than the hole through which it passed. I should think then, said Malcolm, that all wooden things would be made of poplar. It is generally thought not to be durable, was the reply, but it is said that if kept dry, the wood will last as long as that of any tree says the poplar plank. Though heart of oak be ne'er so stout, 
keep me dry, and I'll see him out. The poplar has been highly praised, for every part of this tree answers some good purpose. The bark, being light like cork, serves to support the nets of fishermen. The inner bark is used by the Kamshadales as a material for bread. Brooms are made from the twigs, and paper from the cottony down of the seeds. Horses, cows, and sheep browse upon it. And now, said Miss Harson, when the children were wondering if that were the end, we have come to the most interesting tree of the whole species, the aspen, or trembling poplar. It is a small, graceful tree with rounded leaves having a wavy, toothed border, covered with soft silk when young, which remains only as a fringe on the edge at maturity, supported by a very slender footstalk about as long as the leaf, and compressed laterally near the base. They are thus agitated by the slightest breath of wind with that quivering, restless motion characteristic of all the poplars, but in none so striking as this. To quiver like an aspen leaf has become a proverb. The foliage appears lighter than that of most other trees from continually displaying the underside of the leaves. The aspen has been called a very poetical tree because it is the only one whose leaves tremble when the wind is apparently calm. It is said, however, to suggest fickleness and caprice, levity and irresolution, a bad character for any tree. The small American aspen, which is quite common, has a smooth, pale green bark, which gets whitish and rough as the tree grows old. The foliage is thin, but a single leaf will be found when examined uncommonly beautiful. A spray of the small aspen when in leaf is very light and airy looking, and the leaves produce a constant rustling sound. Legends of no ordinary interest linger around this tree. Ask the Italian peasant who pastures his sheep beside a grove of abile why the leaves of these trees are always trembling in even the hottest weather when not a breeze is stirring, and he will tell you that the wood of the trembling poplar formed the cross on which our Savior suffered. Oh, Miss Harson, said Clara in a low tone, is that true? We do not know that it is, dear, nor do we know that it is not. Here are some verses about it, which I like very much. The tremulousness began, as legends tell, when he, the meek one, bowed his head to death in upon an aspen cross when some near dell was visited by men whose every breath that sufferer gave them. Hastening to the wood, the wood of aspens, they with ruffian power did hew the fair pale tree, which trembling stood as if awestruck. And from that fearful hour, aspens have quivered as with conscious dread of that foul crime which bowed the meek redeemer's head. Far distant from those days, oh, let not man, boastful of reason, check with scornful speech those legends pure. For who the heart may scan, or say what hallowed thoughts such legends teach, to those who may perchance their scant flocks keep on hill or plain, to whom the quivering tree hinteth a thought which, holy, solemn, deep, sinks in the heart, bidding their spirits flee all thoughts of vice, that dread and hateful thing 
which troubleth of each joy and pure and gushing spring. End of The Poplars Recording by Laney Butler, Exton, Pennsylvania, laneybutlervoices.com